a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. back rebels and imperials to force ghost coast to coast my name is brian and i'm here with a special bonus episode you probably have never heard of pixomondo before but they are a visual effects company based out of los angeles that have offices all over the world and they have done some incredible work including on the mandalorian just last week they released their uh, breakdown video showcasing the work they did on the mandalorian and I was able to speak to their visual effects supervisor, Joran Backman, about the uh, experience working on The Mandalorian. So without any further ado, here is my chat with Joran. Today's episode of Force Ghost Coast to Coast is brought to you by Comixology. Merge yourself in over 20,000 digital comic books, graphic novels, and manga titles from over 125 publishers with Comixology. Our first-in-class exclusive Guide of View technology provides an unparalleled, immersive, and cinematic reading experience. Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription for 30 days free and see why thousands of readers trust Comixology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and more. When I was a kid, my dad had a coffee table book put out by industrial light and magic and it was it was always on our living room coffee table and i must have spent hundreds of hours as a kid paging through this book looking at the miniatures and the models and all and how the different special effects were made and actually when i if you had asked me when i was about seven years old what do you want to do when you grow up i would have said i want to do special effects for movies so i have i have long been fascinated with special effects but how did you get involved with, with visual effects okay so it sounds like we had the same childhood for starters. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, nothing on the coffee table for my dad or anything like that but uh, yeah I, I have been a long time fan since since i first got the, uh, you know, some exposure to Star Wars as a little kid. Uh, I, I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, and and I have still had the, you know, I also had the same same thoughts as you. I really want to work with this when I was, uh, when, I, when I grew up. So this is a little bit of a childhood dream for me to be able to work on, on Star Wars and, and canon Star Wars, you know, it's, 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 it's a great, great experience. What? How old were you when you first saw Star Wars? Uh, that's a good question. I think I must have been. I was a little bit older, I think, than my friends were because my mom she she kept me hidden from a lot of things that she <laughs> thought was could be damaging to my mind. But uh, I, I think I might have been like fourteen or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So and, I did not have the toys as really, you know, a really young child. But uh, mm. but after that, I was I was sold on everything. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you first saw Star Wars, like, uh, was there a particular, you know, as somebody who was thinking about visuals young, was there a particular visual sequence of that movie that that really stuck with you the first time you saw it? Uh, I honestly, I, when I first saw them, when I was a kid, I was just overwhelmed by everything. You know, everything was new, everything was exciting. So 
I was just sitting there, you know, just taking it all in and uh, and enjoying the full ride. I I did actually like the, you know, it was really mesmerized by the creature work. That was one thing I always always loved seeing, and uh, it's kind of funny because we did do a fair bit of that on on Mandalorian, so. Uh, that's that's nice to see that happening, but yes. yeah, I think so. You know, the, the sort of you know outerworldly things, all those things about Star Wars. That was the part that I that I really enjoyed. Now, um, for those that don't necessarily have an idea about how how all of this works, you know, y- your company uh, Pixelmondo was. Uh, it is one of the companies that worked on the Mandalorian and you were specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to our listeners about what sort of what your role was on the show, what your company was asked to present and then how that process goes. You know, was this happening all in post-production? Were you involved with designs Were designs given to you? You know, just sort of give us the overall mm-hmm. you know idea of how this came together. Yeah. So, uh, we have a head office in Los Angeles, and they're usually the first people to, to go out to clients and you know people like ILM Disney and you know see what's see what's coming down the pipe, you know. So that that's the very first step, and then we you know we go through uh, we call it bidding. We go through all the shots, very short descriptions of what the shots are, and we sort of like um, say how much we expect to charge for this rough numbers. Uh, and then from there we get the green light for you know, x amounts of shots, x amount of sequences. And uh, at that point we we uh, sit down with the uh, visual effects supervisor on uh, the client side, so ILM at this point, um, and um, and me as a VFX supervisor for the vendor. Then we have discussion with them what they expect to see, like initial kind of rough idea um, of the tasks and uh, uh, even like schedule and, and uh, things like that and just start to talk things through so um that yeah that, that's the initial sort of starting point and then from there we uh, sit down and discuss design work ilm there you know they always come very prepared so they have design teams that can provide us with the uh, 3D scans of maquettes. Maquettes is like those small toys, mm-hmm. and uh, they they like to show that to directors to sort of get them a, a real thing to hold in their hands and look around and, and sort of like, um, for instance, for for the the blur, you know, you have to have a uh, a real thing to to see from all the angles and approve it on a day, mm-hmm. uh, or sort of approve it while they see it, and then. Um, they scan it, send it to us as a 3D model, a rough model, and then we start from there and uh, do things like, you know, texture work and, you know, do all the high detail work and, and uh, you know, take it through the pipeline on our side, which is quite um, involved. I would imagine um, so. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the feature that we had in production for the longest time was... Uh, yeah, it was probably a ten-month process, I think, until the last shot kind of got approved by them from from uh, the initial sort of draft of uh, the, the initial design discussion with them. Wow, um, that, that's, yeah. that's quite some time. Is that a particularly long 
or short time to be working on a project? Uh, that is kind of average, I would say, for a, a show where we are as involved as we are, mm -hmm. uh, or as we, as we were on The Mandalorian. Um, so, sorry, give me one second here, actually. Sure. Can, um, uh, people are asking us. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I got lost there. What was the question? Can you repeat no, uh, that again? A, yeah, sure. I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll start that question again. Um, yeah. So you said you were working on the show for about 10 months of active work. Oh. Is, is that... Is that particularly long or short for uh, for something like this? Um, not really, because this was a big show for us, and we had a lot of uh, shots. We had a lot of creatures and environments, so it's uh, that's not uncommon, actually. Okay. Now um, but we have. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say we we have uh, shows of all kinds of sizes, you know, and and lengths as well. So you know, a year sometimes, and and some. Some shows we are just, you know, helping out others on on uh, things that are sort of got got left in the mix and it has to be done right now. So it could be, you know, two months as well. But but yeah, it's not uncommon. Okay. Now, um, for our listeners who haven't checked out the the reel yet, which is up on multiversitycomics.com and will be in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, for those that haven't checked that out, mm -hmm. can you explain sort of what you what you guys did on the show? What what sort of uh, if if they're watching The Mandalorian, what types of things did you work on? Uh, so we did creature work, as we've been talking about. We had five uh, creatures in total, which were the Blurg, the Dubak, and the Quartum. We have the Gorbin Snoo, weird name, uh, the Reptavian, and uh, we also did the Pit Droid. That was uh, the extent of our creature work. We also worked on some environments as well as, uh, um, you know, mostly so towns, etc. It's a wide range of things. We got to do some rifle blasters as well. I actually really enjoyed that. So I was <laughs> wanting to do some of that. Um, so yeah, it was it was a wide range of things, and that in itself is always fun. You know, when, when you get to to sink your teeth into a lot of different things. Absolutely. Was there one particular uh, either shot or creature or, you know, uh, environment that you feel particularly excited or particularly proud of looking back on it? Uh, it must must be the Blurg. You know, that was that was a, a very big asset for us. So, right. and, and the reason why it was uh, such a big task is we had a big challenge ahead of us, which was to how do we place the actors on a blurg and and a CG blurg, and it should look like they are driven and flown about by this CG creature. Mm -hmm. So, um, in order to do this, we we developed a, a system where um, we created a 3D version of what they had on set, um, and on set they had. A, a top section of the blur. You actually see that in a reel as well. It's uh, it's quite a quick look, but if you if you pause, you'll you'll see the setup that they used on set, which is um, a flat surface on, on top of pistons, and on top of the flat surface, there's the top side of the blur 
of the Bjerg's back. Uh, and on that, there's a saddle. And on top of that, there's a, an actor. Um, and these pistons are driving the practical uh, buck. We call it the buck, which is, a, I think, is a rodeo term. It's one of those mechanical bull situations. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, so we then drove those pistons um, by providing ILM with uh, data of our blurg. So we had, let's say, um, uh, when you do a creature, you, you create a skeletal uh, hierarchy of joints. And um, through those, we, we, we know how the creature will work. And, uh, and, and that is what we provided ILM with so that they could drive the buck and, uh, and everything would sort of match up together. It was, it was an exciting sort of way of doing this. So, for instance, we had um, the, the pistons that we had in 3D space um, that were built to the same specs and same dimensions as the, the practical pistons. So we looked at them inside the software, uh, our animation software, which is Maya, and uh, we couldn't see those pistons move around, so the animators would know if they would um, move the move the pistons for too far, or if they would uh, contract, or if they uh, would uh, extend too much, or, or move too fast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then they would get a little warning sign in in the form of uh, one of the pistons turning red, and um, so that way we knew that what we were doing in animation would not be, you know breaking things on set <laughs> right um now i i have a, a question that I, I i think you're gonna understand what i'm saying when i ask this i think that that there is something really particular about a good well-defined franchise where no matter what you're looking at in that world it fits in it looks like star wars and so yeah. I, I think you know one of the most important distinctions for me with The Mandalorian is as soon as I started watching that show, I thought, okay, I'm looking at characters I've never seen before, looking at you know aliens I've never seen before, locations, but it all feels like Star Wars to me. How did you yeah. guys go about making sure that what you were creating felt like Star Wars? So this was something that John Favreau was really keen on achieving. So I'm, I'm happy that you say that. I mean, we even went down as far as trying to mimic some of the stop motion aspects of the older movies. Uh -huh. For instance, Baby Yoda. We didn't do much with Baby Yoda, but uh, but it, but uh, that was a practical puppet mm -hmm. uh, for for the vast majority of shots. So so it was. A lot of those things was uh, was something that we discussed with uh, Richard, and um, um, we and, and also with uh, with Hal Hickel, animation supervisor. So we did try a few things like um, the stop motion jittering that you see, uh, especially in the old movies when they were stop motion at twelve frames per second. You know, you get the kind of like it's a little jittering going on, right? Uh -huh. So that 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 was uh, we we did try that out at the start. Uh, we toned that down quite a bit for the for the end product, but uh, it kind of just says how how keen ILM were to to achieve what the old movies were like and how how they felt. Mm -hmm. um, and um, maybe I should also mention the blurg. That's the that's a two legged creature. 
that uh, that the quill or quill the uh, Ugnaught is riding on and Mandalorian right. as well. Mm-hmm. People don't know. <laughs> oh, um, trust me, our listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and even this one shot where where we see the blurg through the rifle scope of uh, you know Mando. He's he's looking through an environment and um that blurg you see through the rifle is actually a stop motion creature oh wow so there's yeah so yeah he, he, he uh john was really keen on getting that done that's really cool uh, to you if, yeah. if, if 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 i asked you to describe to somebody who's never seen a star wars movie what the visuals of star wars are like how would you describe that uh old sci-fi that's you know it's it's a worn universe Mm -hmm. everything has to have some wear to it everything has to feel like it has been worn you have dirt nothing is you know this shiny sci-fi where sometimes you can see that in other movies and other ips but in star wars everything has to feel like it's been worn and and it's a little bit dirty Uh, I, i do you know it's it's a nice touch i think yeah, I think that that one thing about Star Wars is that it always, it always feels lived in. It always seems like there are yeah. actually people and creatures who are living in these environments, and that's that's I think that's something that was very, very clear very early on with the Mandalorian, which is that that was that sort of tone was going to continue. Um, was mm-hmm. there was there anything in particular that you folks worked on that was significantly harder than you thought it would be? that posed more challenges than maybe you had signed up for? Uh, maybe not harder than it should be uh, or what our expectations were. The most difficult part, I think, was the, the blurg interacting with the actors and, and uh, um, you know, flinging them about. That's That was a tough challenge and get everything, you know, working. It's a lot of back and forth between on set and ourselves and making sure it was a match. You know, we also had to ensure that the the practical buck, the top section of the large on set was matching with ours. And, uh, you know, and we also had a few cases where the blurg's hips, they were kind of moving around and you can kind of see the bones, how they move around. And they, those are very close to the actor's legs. And uh, sometimes that could cause a little bit of a problem. So it was just a lot of, a um, lot of involved work. I would not say it was unexpected. Sure. But, um, yeah. Um, so w- when you are looking at all the different tasks that you that your company was assigned with for this show, mm-hmm. was was there one that seemed like a new challenge? I mean, I know you said the, the, the thing with the Blurg seems like it's, it, was, it was a pretty new piece of technology that you were working with, you, or rather multiple pieces of technology you were working with. Was there anything else that, that looked new and, and challenging for you guys? We were, we, we, we had the, the pleasure of being one of the first studios to work on what we call the volume. You know, that was, something that I had, had not really been briefed about until Richard showed it to me. And uh, that was, I was just amazed to see what they had been working on. So that was 
that was super exciting. Uh, we were a little bit concerned about how well our camera tracking would work. So what we do normally is uh, we, we try to replicate the practical camera motion in our 3D software. Mm -hmm. And because now you're looking at a practical camera that is shooting something that also has a, you know, a, a real-time environment projected or displayed by computers in the background, and we were thinking, oh, there might be a lag or something that's going to slow things down, or not slow things down really, but you know, uh, cause our uh, um, our processes to to not be accurate anymore, and we would get a bad camera solve. Uh, but we didn't really have any problems like that. That was that was great. But just just be able to work on this and be exposed to this new process was a. Uh, yeah, that was that was a surprise, but it was a, it was a happy surprise. It was very exciting. I mean, looking at the the footage that's been released of the volume, it looks like it's a pretty incredible place to shoot, and it's something yeah. that I, I I can't imagine even five years ago seeming like that was going to be a reality, let alone looking as good as it did. You know, yeah. so yeah, I I think that's a very very I, I'm I'm sort of fascinated by how how the volume is going to change TV and film production going forward. Because I think that it, it seems like it's the type of te technological advance that once others can use it, it's going to change a whole lot. Do you feel the same way, that it's going to be a, a, a major player in visual effects going forward? Oh, it's a, it's a game changer. It's, it's massive for us. And especially during the, these um, COVID times as well, mm -hmm. uh, everybody is going to have to figure out how to shoot you know in, on 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 the right locations and uh, you know traveling is going to be much harder and even ha even having a big crew on on set is going to be tougher so it's a lot of benefits with this and even the pandemic aside there's just a vast number of benefits well using this uh, technology that it's just going to blow up in our industry for sure and it does change. It does change how we work with clients as well. Now we will be uh, involved a lot sooner and uh, before the shoot. Usually we're just like we have a discussion with everybody at the end when they have wrapped the, the filming itself, and then that's when we come in. But that's going to change now. We'll be more involved from the start. Oh, that's really interesting. So, uh, yeah. will you be able to do work before filming? You think we, we're going to have to because. We will be providing the content on the screen now. In in Mandalorian's case, ILM did all that work, so uh, we were just again we just came on at the end still. But as uh, as the VFX industry, in generally speaking, that that is what's going to happen. We will um, be starting our work with the environment or whatever it might be, might be, and uh, do some trial runs on the volumes and see how it all works out because everything has to be be you know fine and everything has to be uh finished a finished product for them to start filming so yeah i hadn't even thought about that but that's true that probably yeah. changes changes your your involvement quite a bit oh absolutely yeah yeah so uh the last question i want to ask you today is you know i, I so i'm a musician right and so there, there are times when i will hear something 
that will blow me away. But my wife, who's not a musician, will hear it and say, that doesn't sound too special to me. You know, what's so special about that? And so I want to know, is is there a film, a television series, something that the visual effects to you are just so sublime and wonderful that that our, our listeners should really you know, pay attention to next time they see it and just marvel at how, how wonderful the special effects are. Uh, I must say, I really enjoyed the new Blade Runner movie. I was a big fan of the first one, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the new one, I I thought that was very well done. There's a lot of sh- sequences in there that I, I couldn't tell if it was CG or not. And it turned out it was full CG environments. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one or to point out a single one. Yeah. Uh, I'm also doing that partly because Blade Runner is one of my favorite, most uh, favorite movies. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> so there's also that. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I go with that one. Okay. And uh, if folks want to learn more about you and what you do in your company, where can they find more information on the internet? Um, Pick some on that we have our own site. I, uh, I don't really have any personal sites Per se, I I am on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. <laughs> but that, otherwise, I'm usually too busy with work to to really have an online presence. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're keeping busy, but I do hope you get some time to relax. Yes, yes, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Go to pixomondo.com. That is P-I-X-O-M-O-N-D-O.com to find out more about Yoren and his company. You can also go to multiversitycomics.com and find out lots more about what we do here, whether that's our Star Wars content, our comics content, our TV content, whatever we have. We have lots of stuff every day at multiversitycomics.com, so check it out. Uh, Thanks for listening again, and remember, the Force will be with you always. Thank you.